now as we come before you. Truly, Lord, you are magnificent. And the fact that you work all things for our good in you now through faith in Christ is something that is really hard to comprehend. But, oh, it is such a comforting thought to think on. We pray now, Lord, that you remind us of your love, remind us of your grace, and fill us with hope, love, and peace so that we can just consistently follow after you by faith and flee from our sins and repent of our sins and repent of our idols and cling to the cross. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So today uh, we begin to look at the conclusion of the book of of Ephesians, And, and truly it's an extraordinary conclusion. Because remember, Paul has been pressing over and over this new gospel perspective that we're called to have through faith in Christ. To see that we are now a part of something much on a grander scale than what this world can offer us or what, what even it reveals to us. Paul has been speaking on how God has done everything for us through Christ so, the, so that by faith in Christ we are now a part of his eternal kingdom which changes everything about our lives. This wondrous gospel that we believe in frees us from the power of sin and death, which consequently sets us on a new path, on a new course that's founded on eternal life and true freedom before God and from this world. It changes our thoughts, our values, our desires. Uh, It changes our interactions with with each other and, and with self. And really, ultimately, it changes our perspective on the world around us so that we can live our faith in Christ in all things, with Him being our everything, ultimately. We who were blind at one time, are now, now by faith, we can truly see. We now begin to truly understand this world in which we live in. We start to see what's going on behind the scenes, what's going on in men's hearts, what's going on inside of us. Start to read between the lines and see the subtext of it all and begin to break open the facade of what the world says and what it promises us. And that's the topic that Paul's going to speak, going to really hit hard on today. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, our title today then is Understanding the World in Light of the Gospel. Paul's going to expand our perspective in the world in which we live in. He's going to help us see past our nose past the persons in front of us, past the problems in front of us, to see the real true evil we are facing and understand why understanding Jesus as our everything is so vitally important to our lives and why we should never gloss over that idea or truth. So we're going to look at the text then and see how we're called to understand this world in which we live in in light of the gospel. Paul says in chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So the context then is that when he says, finally, this is now Paul redirecting all his focus onto all the people in Ephesus. So he's saying to all of us here, all of you, no matter where you are in your stage of life, a child, single, married, homeless, high status, new convert, having physical or mental uh, ailments, if you have a high-stress life or you have a very pretty comfortable life, rich, poor, whatever the case, no matter who you are, if you have faith in Christ, that is, what, that is the qualification for you to listen to what he says next here it, because it applies to you directly. And this brings us to our first point. 
Rely upon the Lord holistically. Paul says, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. You know what that means? Give up on yourself and give in to Jesus. Stop looking at everything and to everyone else to make you who you are. Stop trying to have what you do defines you, to define you. Stop spending all your time and energy and passion pursuing this life as if it depends on you to make it in this world. Stop thinking that, you, that to have true meaning in your life, you have to exhaust yourself by finishing at the top. Stop thinking that to have true worth, you must run yourself ragged to be the one that stands out from the rest. Stop thinking that, you have to have, that to have true dignity, you must find and exert this grueling effort to constantly refuse to be at the back of the line. Stop draining yourself in thinking that real validation and real justification of who you are and your life comes from what people think and say about you. Give up on that and rather spend all your time and energy and passion and heart and all of yourself opening yourself to rely upon and rest in Jesus and his strength and his might. Let him be the one that defines you and empowers you and fulfills you in all of that, in all that you are. Pursue him. Take refuge in him. Build your security on him. Found your peace and comfort on him upon Jesus and his finished works for you. By faith, open yourself up to him more and more to grow in being dependent upon him and him alone as you live your life. Let his strength be your strength. Let his might be your might in everything for everything that you do. See, the word be strong in the Lord of being, of, of being made strong in the Lord. It is this passive voice which reveals that this being made does not come from ourselves, but it comes from the Lord himself to us through faith in Jesus, in all that we are and all that we do. The in the Lord means you can't get the real strength to face or handle this thing called life in any real sense or any real meaningful way that will bring victory and change in your life or anyone else's life on your own. You won't be able to do it at all. It'll be all in vain. But God can and does and will through your faith in him. You can't, but he can. And that is the attitude and the perspective we're called to live our life by in this world around us. We are to go to him for everything, saying, Lord, I can't do this at all on my own. But I know that you can because Jesus has already done it for me. Let me put it in a more direct understanding. Paul is saying that everything you do, say, think, feel, all of it is to be done in God's strength that he gives you and not on your own at all. That is your call. It is to be done in His might, in His power, and not yours. You are to become lesser, and He is to become greater. Even in the most mundane things in life, all of it is to be done in His power alone and not yours. So yes, that means the big things in life. Like how we deal with our relationships, right? How we live at our jobs, how we live at church, how we live amongst our our neighborhoods. 
But it also means, then, in the common things we do, like doing your taxes, discussing politics, brushing your teeth, buying groceries, wrapping presents, laughing with your children, or even greeting a stranger that you walk by in the parking lot on the way to a restaurant. All of it is to be done by his strength and his might and not your own. And I know, I know, it seems ridiculous to say such a thing. It may even seem silly to say that and see the world in which we live in from that perspective even for the small things we do. Because, I mean, sure, we all would agree the big things, but the small things like relaxing and watching TV, come on, John. And so you're like, come on, that's just, that's just out there. But here's the thing. I say, yes, we must rely upon the Lord holistically to do everything in his strength. For as backwards as that may seem, In reality, as Christians now, we need to rather be thinking that it is truly ridiculous and silly to think that we have a handle on anything in our own strength and might. I mean, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, so whether you eat or drink, those are pretty simple things that a baby does. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And you think that doesn't cover everything about us. Jesus himself says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And guess what? The fruit that Jesus is speaking of is not just some good character and good deeds towards people some of the time. No, the good fruit is covering everything that we do in our life, including the mundane stuff, the eating and drinking or whatever we do. Our whole life is to be to the glory of God. Or put differently, we are to be strengthened by God through relying upon His might, through faith in Christ in all things. And this is what enables us then to glorify God in whatever we are doing and empowers us not to give in to sin and its ways with whatever we are interacting with. His strength and His might helps us see sin's deceitful ways, to discern it from a mile away. His power alone is what enables us to see through sin's smokescreen in this world. So we then are to grow in seeing and admitting how weak and powerless we truly are in all things so that we can grow in God's strength and might in our life more and more as we interact with everything and the people in our lives. For the gospel promises that God has provided everything we need in Jesus. So we are to learn to go to him by faith for everything and leave nothing out in our life. For Christ has died and shed his blood for every aspect of your life. Not part of it, not some of it, or even most of it, but all of it. We need to realize that more and more every day. So how? How do we do that? Paul says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Now by saying whole armor, that means to put on this complete set, this heavily armored set of a warrior or soldier that would go into battle. This means to be fully armed both defensively and and offensively. There would be no part of you that would be left vulnerable to attack your whole life. The armor then is the armor of God and we're supposed to leave it on, uh, put it on and leave nothing out. Now, Paul is going to cover each piece of this armor later. But for now, in summary, 
as it means as we live then, we are to live by faith alone to rely upon the Lord holistically. You are to fully trust what God has provided for you in Christ and his gospel and not in what you can provide or do for yourself or anyone else. Ultimately, we are to be reliant upon God and what he has and will and does provide for us through Jesus alone with more and more things and people in our life. So think of it this way. When you put armor on, right, just in a very practical sense, there is a very blunt confession to all that you and in yourself are not strong but weak. You are not sufficient but insufficient on your own and you need to rely upon something greater than yourself to cope or deal with whatever you're facing for you cannot handle it on your own. That is why you put armor on. And for the Christian, that is our life story. We are called to live by faith in all things, which is just an empty hand reaching out to Christ for everything, saying we can't do it. Our life goal is to be fully reliant upon Him so we can live a life fully pleasing to Him, bringing Him all glory and honor by turning to Him more and more and away from our sin in all things and turning to Him for everything. Becoming less self-reliant. Or put differently, we live by faith in Christ so that we can see and rest in His sovereign hand over all things, over our lives, and nothing else. So that we grow then to be strengthened by the Lord through faith. So then we go to Christ with all of our relationships, our deeds, our emotions, our politics, our philosophies, our pains, our hurts, our wins, losses, complaints, insights, media, sports, hobbies, achievements, promotions, families, church, Bible reading, material things, whatever it is. We go to Christ with everything and trust that he knows what is best for us and how to interact with whatever it is and that he will empower us to do so. Because in the end, we see him as the one who now truly provides for all our needs. Even if that means he takes away whatever it is we bring to him. We are to rest in him with all things to let him empower us to live the life he has called us to. Now, as simple as that may sound, or even maybe as silly as you may think that is, here's the thing. That is a lot harder to live out than we think or realize or would like to admit to. Why is that? Paul says this major reason. He says at the end of verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And this brings us to our second point. Your enemies are not people. Paul says, you have a very strong opposition in your life that it's doing its best, its very best to make sure that you do not live in a way that fully relies upon God's strength for everything. You have an opponent who never sleeps, but passionately and vigorously schemes or creates method after method, distraction after distraction to have you not live by faith in Jesus for everything. This passage here is meant to give you and me a reality check to understand that there is an intellectual, very smart and and witty and sharp being that is fully aware of God's people and is on a soul mission 
to have them follow after lies and be deceived and and live in the deceptions of sin that make you rely upon self-power and self-strength for personal glory. To see you at the center and nothing else. The very opposite of living for the glory of God in all things, but rather to live for the glory of self, making very little of the God they follow. He's speaking to the church. See, though we are saved by grace through faith alone, we, and, and we live under the gospel, truth that Christ has done everything for us all by faith in him alone, that our imperfect and sinful performance of the laws before God do not hinder his love or favor or blessing towards us, which is the great promise of the gospel. We are truly free. So that even your biggest sins, God is still able to use it in such a way that blesses you in him for your betterment in him. All things are being worked for our good in him. But do not think for a moment that Satan is not working hard to exploit that truth in your life and work things in such a way that you abuse that truth so that you can continue in your sin and not turn away from it and live in this false idea that you are sufficient and end up causing havoc wherever you go. For example, with a critical spirit or vengeful spirit or jealous or angry attitude about something. With no grace. Do not think for a moment that he is not working to make you forget your full dependence upon God and make you think that you can do things on your own, that you have the right way of doing it all, and you end up falling into self-righteousness and pride because you think you got a handle on this thing called Christianity. You got it down pat and all because you can follow the rules of God that you happen to like. And you follow those laws pretty good. And you just end up making yourself self-righteous. Or even worse, do not think for a moment that he is not working hard to just give you enough of truth in what you say and how you go about it so that you end up being obsessed in seeking out justice and truth at the expense of seeking the Savior Himself, who is the embodiment of both. And Jesus then just becomes more of an end to the means of getting what you want, your own comfort, rather than Him being your true answer and rest. And you're looking to external things to find your rest. And not Jesus. See, the main point is that Paul is wanting us to realize that devil is in full opposition to God and his people. That means you. If you're a believer in this room, he is against you. And the devil... Because he's always scheming against us, doesn't always come at us with things that are so easily seen as sinful. 
He's been around a long time. And he's able to influence and persuade us to do good things from sinful motives that we hide behind. I mean, as a pastor, I have seen more harm and pain and destruction that has been done in the name of justice and rights. My rights, what I want between Christians, what I like. It's about me, my comfort, my normacy, my traditions. Me, 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 me. More destruction between Christians because of petty things that mean nothing. Where the real answer should have been gracious forgiveness between both parties that would have brought real restoration, real healing, and real peace to the people's lives with each other. But no, they want justice and rights rather than grace and forgiveness and putting the self above the other or putting the other above self. See, the devil's a schemer. He is able to create temptations and problems that come in our life, sins that we give into in our life that are really subtle, tiny, just nothing, petty. And we give into them because they seemingly pose no immediate threat to us directly. Or they don't seem to be sinful on the outset. It's just a matter of opinion in a way. They don't look harmful initially. But sadly, they only lead to pain and destruction that build into this monstrous problem from nothing. Now, sure, does the devil create big temptations for us that are easily seen as evil? Of course, of course. And sadly, we even give in to those big temptations because we think we got a handle on, on it. We think we got a handle on this thing called life. But praise God for his grace over us and Jesus' finished work on our behalf. But for the most part, that's not what gets us Christians all caught up and after each other or destroys our lives behind the scenes. It's always the little sins, the seemingly innocent temptations of that one quick glance out of a supposed curiosity, but really it was out of lust. That quick, blunt, harsh reaction towards a loved one or a coworker or each other that was seemingly done to be in correction. But really it was made because your pride or, in, or you were insecure and really had no intention to help but just to strike back because you could. Or that smoldering thought of what they said or what they did that's rolling over and over in your head because of the shock of that they said it or did it. But really, it's just rolling around in your head creating a self-righteous attitude within you because you would never say that or do that. And then it eventually pours out of you to someone else. You're telling them because you give in to this lie that it was just a matter of fact. Oh, can you believe it? But really, it's just sinful gossip to ruin that person's reputation, to make yourself look a little bit better at their expense. The point of all this is that Paul is saying, look, you can't outwit the devil. 
You cannot stand against him in and of yourself, and you will fall on your own and create destruction. The only way to stand against the opposition and hold your ground is by running to Jesus by faith for everything. There is no area of your life that you have all covered. The only cover you have is Jesus. And do not think for a moment that Satan won't use even the mundane and seemingly simple things in your life to tempt you from turning, from trusting in Jesus with everything. Everything must be covered by him through faith. And to press this even more, because we so easily say, okay, okay, okay. I got it, I got it. Yes, Jesus for everything. I got it. Can you shut up now, John? I get it. Jesus for everything. But deep down inside, we still think we got a handle on at least some things in our life. Just, even if they're little. Little. And say, God, don't worry, God. I got this. I, psh, I got this. I've been around for a long time. Paul wants to make sure to see, no, you don't got this. You have no strength or might to stand against the devil and his ways over anything in your life, no matter how small or mundane it is. And he does this by verse 12. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now what Paul here says, is meant to put us all in our place, realizing that we have no strength or power in and of ourselves to face the true opponents in this life. And we need to run all the more to Jesus by faith for everything we do. And this brings us to our last point. The enemy is closer than you think. By saying we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, Paul is saying the evil we face every day, okay, with that word wrestle... He's saying the evil we face every day is closer to you than the person in front of you. This evil is more entwined with your life and knows, and knows you better than the government itself. Our struggle is not with people, but with the devil's minions that are far more powerful than any of us or any human institution in our lives. For these spiritual beings, like the devil, are fallen angels, which we call now demons. They are oppressing this world's governments and its people for evil. So this list of description uh, of descriptions of these fallen angels aren't necessarily meant to speak of different categories of the fallen angels, but are more are meant just to be pictures of the spiritual reality of their power and what we face in this world as we live in it. To reveal to us that though this world is bent towards sin because of men's sinful hearts, that is not the only reason why there's evil and why it continues. There are, but rather there are spiritual forces that have, that have heavily influential powers for sins in men's hearts in ways to increase it and promote it so that they turn away from trusting in God and His ways that make mountain of molehills. I mean, these fallen angel, angelic rulers have cosmic powers that are bent just on evil. 
These beings are not from this world. They are not like men, but are, but are their real true enemy. And they are so beyond us that they're able to travel around this world and, and around the heavens doing whatever they can to cause destruction and hinder the glory of God amongst this world from His people. He wants us to make life all about ourselves and not Christ. Christ is a means to the, of our own end. And I admit, what he says here is a little abstract, but the main point is made perfectly clear in verse 12. These fallen angels, like the devil, have major power and influence over this world, and they are out to do their best to keep it in sin and promote sin in the world and in your life. And they are powerful enough and smart enough to do it in ways that you personally would have never thought of or realized that would end up getting you to focus on yourself rather than Jesus. Getting you not to trust Him in all areas of your life, but rather to trust yourself. Now, this is not meant to scare us as Christians. Okay, 1 John 4.4 says, For he who is in... For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. 1 John 3.8 says the reason the Son of God appeared was destroy the works of the devil. So this means that the devil and his minions have limits to their power and influence of evil. They are not all-knowing or all-powerful or omnipresent or omniscient like God is. They don't got his power. But they are more powerful than you. Not more powerful than Christ who is in you now by faith, but you alone, they are more powerful than. Now, does this mean you have demons following you everywhere? Most likely not. So don't get caught up in that like, ooh, demon, ooh, demon, ooh, demon, ooh, demon, demon, demon. Like, don't do that, okay? Because most likely not. They're not there's not an infinite amount. But their influence is around you everywhere you go. Again, this word cosmic means they almost have this complete comprehensiveness of a terrifying influential power to execute their evil plans in this world, wherever you are. And that is not meant to be brushed over but it's meant to snap you and I back into reality, seeing how this world is and how its seemingly harmless ways are actually have this ultimate goal of driving you away from Christ and not to Him, all because of these fallen angels. So we must constantly be on the lookout by faith in Jesus for these things so we can stand against their evil influence by trusting in Christ and His strength and might more and more every day, no matter how small or seemingly innocent anything seems. So I want to make something clear. I'm not saying you can't enjoy sports. I'm not saying you can't enjoy movies, music, vacations. I'm not saying you can't have non-believing friends or be on social media. Or you know what? I'm not even saying you can't enjoy following and discussing politics even to the point of trying to get people to vote like you. Okay? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Paul's not saying that. We're not advocating. He's not advocating for monasticism. 
meaning that we have nothing to do with the world around us so that we end up living in a hole with just our Bible, having the word Jesus alone come out of our mouth all the time. That's not what he's saying or what I'm saying. The point of all this, the point of all this is that we need, that we need to understand the world in light of the gospel so that we approach this world with the whole armor of God by relying upon Jesus alone for him to strengthen us. Because if we don't, for everything, because if we don't, we can easily be led astray by the world to make little of Christ in our life and forget him in most parts of it. Even be led astray by the most seemingly and harmless and neutral things in our life, like just trying to be a healthy person or a person who serves others. We must realize that there is a demonic realm that is ruling over this world. For now, it's wounded by the cross, but it's here, and it will be here until the Lord comes back to completely remove its presence. But for now, it doesn't like you, and there is nothing it won't use against you so that you will make less of Jesus in your life, even the most lovely and beautiful things. So we must constantly look to Jesus for everything. And that is how we keep this armor and place this armor upon ourselves. It is Christ that does this for us by us relying and resting on him. We had no power in the first place to remove this power of sin in our life and remove this demonic oppression upon us. But Christ did and he removed the grasp from us by faith in him. But that also means then we still have no power to fend for ourselves to not fall back into their tricks and temptations or influence. But he does and keeps us from them as we constantly go to him by faith. We don't need to be afraid of these beings because because we have Christ and he is over them. And, and, And he does and can enable us to see through their lives and temptations. For even if we do fall into them, we have been set free so we can walk away from them at any time by his strength and his might that he provides by faith. For he loves us too much to let us go. God loves sinners. And the proof is that he died for us and came back to life to make sure we'll be with him forever by faith in him, no matter how many times we fail him. For the cross is the proof that he will never fail us. And he will never fail to make good on his promises towards you. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Even if we forsake him at times, he will never forsake us. So we're going to take the Lord's Supper then today. In light of all this. And we take this Lord's Supper. So deacons, please come forward. We take this Lord's Supper.